you've been a good saver. You've amassed a nice portfolio that should take you all the way through retirement. Today, we're going to talk about that first year in retirement. Stuff's going to happen that you didn't expect, but we've got five things you might not expect but really do need to prepare for. Welcome in to Your Retirement with Sam Jones. Welcome to Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton sitting in along uh, with a, a full studio of uh, dual financial strategists. And they are Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, and Luke Van Abel. And uh, we're here to talk about your retirement here in the Fox Valley, uh, anywhere from Green Bay to Appleton, which is where they have their offices. And, of course, uh, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. That was a... Uh, well, a wonderful phrase used by uh, the late, great Vin Scully uh, with the L.A. Dodger broadcast crew. But even the decades of preparation uh, that we talk about, Sam said before the break, surprises are likely to come your way in that first year of retirement. So uh, before the unexpected hits, uh, as Sam said, he's got five strategies uh, that retirees and those about to take uh, the plunge into retirement uh, need to put in place. And, of course, uh, we have uh, that transition period that we always talk about, uh, Sam, that people may or may not be aware of as they approach retirement, that adjustment period from working full-time to having a time off and having to pay yourself. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and even if you have a plan for retirement, there's still that adjustment period that's going to happen. And we find that for most of you, that's usually about the length of the first year, just because you're, you're transitioning out of the labor force. So now you typically have far less money coming in and you have more money going out, or at least you've got as much going out as you had before. So you're starting to spend, quote unquote, your own money. And that's very, very difficult for some people. And you can have pre-retirement assumptions. You could have pre-retirement habits that can be difficult for you to change. So think about if money from government sources and, and investments, if that represents the upside, right? then your spending habits with an emphasis on your habits could be the other. And those two must exist in balance because we can't have more money going out, obviously, than what we have coming in. Because at that point in time, if you're out of balance on the size of your portfolio versus the amount of money that you have going out, if your lifestyle spending gap is too great, you could be putting yourself in danger. So you have to review everything from the subscriptions that you've used uh, exorbitant rates for wireless and mobile phone usage, uh, all sorts of things you can look at to see, does this make sense for me in retirement? Do I still need to be doing this or do I need to change a habit that I've had to equalize my my cash inflow habits with my cash outflow. Well, this is what I always talk about with my wife now as I approach uh, the early 70s and I say, do we really have to have uh, uh, that landline? Do I, well, we want the landline, but do I really have to have television? Do I really have to have all these things? What, Sam, let me ask you very quickly before we move on. Why do you think that psychology is that we save, save, save all our life for retirement and then we don't want to spend it or we're kind of reluctant to, to spend too much in retirement? Oh, I think it's just a, it's an inherent fear. Uh, people just have a great fear of running out of money. I mean, that is the number one fear that people have. It used to be dying, uh, but it's been several years ago now that the fear of running out of money uh, replaced dying. And it's just a very deep-rooted psychological uh, fear that people have that they're going to run out of money. And it doesn't matter. It, it, it seems to me like it doesn't matter we're dealing with people that have saved $250,000 or we're saving, dealing with people that have saved $2 million. You all have the same inherent 
inherent base fear of running out of money. Absolutely. So, Andy, uh, that means you have to prioritize your expenses, I guess, if you're going to look at it that closely. Well, you do. I mean, and prioritizing your expenses just depends on how you want to live your life and how your retirement want how you want your retirement to look. So, I don't know. Does that include traveling? Does it include, you know, spending time with family, with friends? Does it include, um, I mean, if you have to, if, you, if you're wanting to travel, now can be a pretty expensive time to travel if you take into account how much flights are, lodging, food, car rental. Um, you know, are you looking to spend more time down in Florida or Texas or any of the warmer states during the winter time? If you are looking to pull a mortgage, the interest rates on mortgages are so much more now than they were not that long ago. So I don't really know what your um, needs and wants are. And so that priority is going to look a bit different. I mean, I say all the time, you're all snowflakes and it's true. Everybody's different. So I don't know what that includes for you and, and what your must haves are or what your want to haves are. So that's something that you have to kind of sit down, spend some time evaluating in your family as to what's the most important thing to do or um, wants or, you know, are we looking at paying out debt during retirement days? So it, it's a it's a puzzle, you guys. It's totally a puzzle. And we just need to spend some time going through those and uh, make sure that we address what your wants are, what your needs are, first and foremost, to make sure that those needs are completely taken care of with income that is not going to ever be able to run out. All right, we're, so th- we're talking with uh, the Sam, Andy, and Luke about the five things you should be thinking about before you take the plunge into retirement, things you can need to prepare for. We've covered two of them, uh, which is the adjustment period, then having to prioritize expenses. Now, Luke, let's talk about uh, the need to keep saving. Do you think uh, people think about that, or if they uh, feel confident with uh, uh, their portfolio that they don't have to. I think people, this isn't really on their radar. Most people go, you know, into retirement. They've contributed for 35 or 40 years to their 401k. Many of you have also, you know, saved and built up an emergency fund that you've got at your disposal. And a lot of people are really sitting on a pile of cash right now in the bank, maybe money market CD type accounts. But I think something important for people to realize is that, you know, just because you're retired doesn't mean you need to stop saving. Maybe while you were working, you know, you were contributing 10, 12, 15 percent to the 401k or to some other areas. But, you know, you can still set aside 5 percent of your Social Security or a chunk of the other income that you've got coming in. Um, It was it's the billionaire Warren Buffett that says now's a great time to invest. I mean, stock market is is down. It's undervalued and a great time to put some money in. So if you're saving, you can repurpose that money, have it work for you and help offset some of those inflationary costs that we're seeing right now in other areas. Absolutely. All right, Sam, let's talk about having a Social Security strategy, because that's very important as you get ready for retirement. Uh, and if you have not claimed your Social Security yet, and uh, whether you're 62, 65, 67 or even 70, you need that strategy put in place so you can uh, maximize uh, your Social Security as part of your income in retirement. Yes, and, and claiming Social Security, it is a strategy, but it doesn't have to be this overwhelming task. I, I find that many of you just literally, you get, you get almost crippled uh, with anxiety on trying to figure out what would be the perfect time to take Social Security. Um, the, only, you know, the only challenge, I guess, the only difficulty with that question is 
Well, if you tell me when you're going to die, then I can tell you exactly when you should start taking Social Security to get the maximum benefit from it. Uh, but since you are not going to be able to tell me the former information, I'm not going to be able to tell you the latter information. But what I would tell you is this. When do you need the money? I get that question all the time. Well, I'm 62. Should I start taking my Social Security? I don't know. Do you need the money? Well, no, we don't need the money. We have all sorts of excess income. Well, then why are you going to add more taxable income to your bottom line? Well, what if I die? Well, what if you do die? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you won't have to worry about it anymore. I, I, I guess you won't have to worry about it <laughs> yeah. at that point. But the biggest underlying thing with Social Security, the two biggest factors is, number one, do you need the money? And we can go into this in greater detail when you come in for your retirement lifestyle review. But the second biggest factor is as to whether you should take your Social Security. What's the balance of your 401k, your IRAs? Because that is actually the largest contributing factor to whether you should or should not take your Social Security is What's the balance of those qualified plans that are going to be subject to forced distribution at age 72? Should we spend that money first or should we spend the Social Security money first? Yeah, yeah that's a very good advice there. So uh, that means, Andy, that as uh, we're wrapping up this segment here uh, about things you need to think about as you prepare for retirement, uh, you need a professional's input, don't you? Well, I think it's something that if it's not something you love to do and you haven't spent much time researching and analyzing and putting together that information for retirement, yes, I think that it is probably very smart to look into and interview people that may be a good fit for you. Um, you probably want to look at someone who is a fiduciary to make sure that they have your best interest all the time. I mean, that's a requirement of a fiduciary is to make sure they're doing what's in your best interest all of the time. So. That would be definitely a place to start, but feel free to interview people. I mean, they are working for you and you need to have the same thought process and be in line when it comes to your retirement. And we've, we see that over and over again. And there's, there is a difference between someone who focuses in the growth and accumulation world and someone who focuses in the retirement world. It is a puzzle and, and growth and accumulation is just that. It's growth, it's accumulating money, but retirement is turning that on. How is your retirement dollars going to affect your social security? Is there a chance that it could affect your Medicare premiums? Is your taxes being discussed and talked about with you? Is your health care being talked about with you? Is long-term care being addressed? How are you going to take that money and give it to your beneficiaries or a charity or a whatever? So there's an infinite number of different challenges that come into place when you're talking about retirement. So having someone that specializes in retirement that you feel very confident of and understand what their um, nuances are or how they look at money, and it should be in line with what you need and want it to do for you in your retirement. All right. And so, Sam, what can you do for our listeners? Just talk about it. Just sit down and have a conversation. We call it a retirement lifestyle review, but it all just starts with a, with a conversation. We have office in Appleton, office in Green Bay. If you're hearing our voice, we have an office within a very reasonable distance of you. But we invite you to come into the office for about an hour. You can call Rick. He will give you guidance on what you need to bring with you. But just come in and let's talk about your retirement. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What is your retirement going to look like? All of these different things that come into play. We don't have to sit down and come up with a financial plan or anything like that. We just need to find out, are you a fit for us? And are we a fit for you? Would we be a good team together? And let's identify 
in a very common sense fashion, straightforward, can you retire, can you not retire, and what would that look like for you? Give us a call today. Absolutely, and that number is 866-203-7486. And it's again at no cost, no obligation that you meet with uh, Sam, Andy, or Luke at Dual Financial Strategies to get that retirement lifestyle review. Once again, it's 866-203-7486. You'll be happy you did it uh, because they've got an office in Green Bay, one in Appleton. And uh, again, when you uh, meet with Sam, Andy, or Luke, uh, Sam has penned uh, the book, uh, Purpose Determines Placement. It's in its second printing. Very popular, and it, uh, it's kind of a guideline for you to take a look at uh, what you should think about when you are in retirement. So once again, with over 20 years of experience in this realm, uh, give Dual Financial Strategies a call. No cost, no obligation. Make that phone call right now and uh, get on uh, the appointment list at 866-203-7486. Sam, what's coming up next after the break? Well, the results of the 2022 Retirement Survey and Insights Report have identified a concerning trend among pre-retirees, and that's the disparity between baby boomers and Generation Xers, and it is crystal clear. Tips for navigating your retirement are coming up. This is Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton sitting in along with the uh, tremendous people who have your best interest in mind as fiduciaries, and that is at Dual Financial Strategies, Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel in studio once again, along with me, Chuck Caton. And, uh, well, if you ask me, millennials are the ones that are lost in this uh, shuffle. But there's Gen Xers we want to talk about. There's baby boomers we want to talk about. And we're talking about that 2022 retirement survey and insights report that Sam spoke of before the break. And this survey uh, sheds light on how to best navigate the financial vortex not the polar vortex that may be coming up uh, in northern Wisconsin uh, soon, but uh, the financial vortex from retirement readiness to retirement income. It explores the concept of uh, the financial vortex once again, not the polar vortex, in which uh, folks juggle uh, conflicting or competing financial priorities. Maybe that's you doing that right now uh, as you set yourself for retirement. And even the forgotten generation regards uh, to planning for retirement. So, Let's define this, first of all, the survey revealing uh, significant disparities of one generation to next uh, when it comes to savings. And I know this for a fact as well, because I've got three boys that try to save as much as they can. They may be the exception here, but they are, um, well, they're kind of the... uh, the Gen Zers, or the, uh, I guess the Millennials, I would have to say, because there are baby boomers, there are Generation X, there's Millennials, the Gen Zs. So let's define this here. The Gen Xers are anybody that was born 65 to 80, baby boomer, boomers from uh, 1946 to 1964. Sam, we're not going to ask Andy which one she is, okay, on this show. Fair but enough. I, I just want, but I'll ask you and I'll ask Luke. Uh, but are you seeing uh, that more Gen X folks are looking to plan for retirement? Well, what's your experience? Yeah, it's starting to happen, because if you think about that, the the Gen X people, that's 1965. So those people are coming upon what? They're 57. About, uh, 50, yeah, in their mid, mid to pushing into their 50s now, into their upper mid 50s. So they are starting to eye retirement. They're starting to think about these things. And we are seeing more and more people that are coming in at that age uh, that are looking to retire. And 
they have the same type of fears and concerns. Obviously, can they retire? Will they run out of money? Um, but it does seem that probably two-thirds of the people that we talk to, they're, they're more stressed about their retirement savings. They're more stressed about managing their retirement savings. And I think a part of that might be because generationally, um, the Gen Xers, that's the generation where it was very, very common for uh, both husband and wife, if we're talking about a couple, to work. Uh, the wife would, was raising kids, but uh, a lot of times in that generation, they were in the workforce. So they never really took the time or had the time because they were raising kids. Uh, I think sports was much more prevalent for the Gen Xers, for their children. They were just involved in more ways uh, in life, if you will, than the baby boomers necessarily were. So uh, I do believe that they face a, a level of anxiety about managing their finances. Uh, you know, they're concerned about uh, prospective social security cuts. Uh, almost half of the of the people in that generation are. Um, future healthcare needs another 50%. And inflation, they worry very much about inflation. But uh, at this point in time, I think everybody worries about inflation. So uh, interestingly enough, inflation is never a topic that anybody brings up, Chuck, unless we happen to be in a time frame where we have you guessed inflation. It, inflation. <laughs> Otherwise, people never bring it up. Yeah, there you go. And I, I just realized by looking at these stats, and I, I think you probably concur with these dates, the Gen Xers who were born between 1965 and 1980, that means uh, that I have three boys that are Gen Xers or close to Gen Xers because they were born in 77, 79, and 81. Yep. I didn't even realize that they're called Gen Xers, and they're the ones that are in, like you say, their late 40s to mid-50s uh, here. And uh, they have those uh, concerns, and of course, if they listen to dear old dad, they won't have those concerns. And they do. Well, they're kind of yeah, they're just kind of in there. They're yeah. just nobody ever talks about that particular yeah, generation that, because that, they're just everybody they're, just goes straight from baby boomers to millennials is basically what usually happens. Nobody yeah. talks about Gen X. Yeah, that's it's it's interesting. So, Andy, how do you assuage clients that there are strategies and steps that you can take uh, to help minimize these concerns? Do you see a lot of these late forties, early fifties, mid fifties people, and uh, what do you tell them about uh, preparing for retirement? We are starting to see more and more of those people, and, and I think it's great that we are. I mean, I think it's great that you're thinking about your retirement, and the earlier that you do that, the better, um, because that gives you more options. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that we've heard in our two-night courses, gosh, I wish I would have heard this information 15, 20 years ago. I wish we had had that option at work 15, 20 years ago when I was saving money or able to save more money because my kids were you know, on the downhill side of having to be parented or costing, I'm not going to say less because it seems like that just goes on and on. Um, but from a standpoint of just being prepared, the earlier that you can start to move in the direction of retirement and save money or figure out which way you w want to save money, the better off you can be because that gives you more options later on. All right. Uh, we're talking generations here uh, on um, uh, your retirement from uh, people who are Gen Xers, Gen Zs, uh, baby boomers, and if you're in that category, whatever it is, and you want some advice on your retirement from a fiduciary standard, give uh, Dual Financial Strategies a call. Luke, Andy, Sam at 866-203-7486. You'll be happy you did. That's 866-203-7486. So, Luke, uh, what do we say here now? Does planning for retirement for a Gen X couple... Uh, maybe differ from baby boomers? Do they have different philosophies when it comes to preparing for retirement? I think the the base fundamentals, as Sam was talking about, 
are, are the same people still fear running out of money? Do they have enough? I mean, the majority of people are concerned about this. The majority of people aren't comfortable managing their own money. Um, but then I think there are differences from generation to generation based on what we've experienced. Um, I think the Gen Xers are often, um, they're commonly independent people that really desire like a work-life balance and um, they want to work hard and they want to play hard. So this lends to this generation thinking about retiring a little bit earlier um, than, than previous generations where they're just like, hey, we got to work until you know, we die. Um, there's a lot of farmers in our area that, that we meet with and, you know, they're not going to stop. Um, so because they desire experiences, I think this also is going to push them to want to plan, want to make decisions so that while they are still able to be active in what we call those go-go years, that they're able to do those things, the things that they've worked hard for for the last 30 years, they're able to do. Um, and this generation also is, is different than the boomers in the sense that because they're sandwiched between millennials, they are a little, they're starting to adapt to technology. So they're willing to explore other tools. They're more comfortable with the internet and alternative ways to interact with a financial advisor, which might be via Zoom, via technology when they're on the road maybe it's rving or what have you so I, th I think the the there is a difference here between gen xers and the generation before um, but the fundamentals are still the same and we're still here to help families make the right decision with money and plan for the time leading up to retirement and through the next 20 to 30 years that we call voluntary unemployment well, I guess, uh, Sam, to uh, put a bow on this segment, uh, I guess, as Luke said, the sandwich generation are the Gen Xers between the baby boomers and the millennials. So I guess they uh, have to juggle a lot of different things here. Caring for parents. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little too young to experience that, but I hope my Gen Xers take care of at least my wife. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is, uh, what are some of these other factors that make them most vulnerable to inflation? I mean, they, do they care about it? And uh, what can uh, dual financial strategies do to help them, if so? Well, I mean, there's, it's not so much that, that they're singularly concerned about any individual event. I think it's just the overall uh, apprehension and fear but i agree with luke the fundamentals of planning for retirement it doesn't make any difference what generation you're in <clears throat> you know we love to label and title and put people into boxes but it doesn't make any difference retirement planning is retirement planning is retirement planning i mean at its base uh you need to have more money you know coming in than what you're spending if, if you're overspending you're going to be in trouble it's just as simple as that and i think uh, everybody's what we find right with the last 20 years of helping people is that everybody's unique just because yes. you're a gen xer doesn't mean that you want what other gen xers want right exactly right because everybody has lived you know has lived a different lifestyle well anyway yeah uh, you you know when you talk about all of these things here sam uh let's get down to the brass tacks whether you are a, a, a y a baby boomer a a, uh, X, a millennial. I know that the uh, dual financial strategies can deal with anybody because of the uniqueness of the situation. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what generation you're in. It all starts with this retirement lifestyle review. It starts with just coming in, setting down, figuring out who are you? What does retirement look like for you? What is your pathway to retirement? And just get you pointed in the right direction because age is relative. The one thing that I would say that Gen Xers and millennials tend to run into is if you want to retire 
earlier than the age of 59 and a half. There are some very specific things that you need to think about in regards to access to your retirement savings because most of you have the bulk of your retirement savings in some sort of an IRA type vehicle, whether it's a 401k or a 403b or a Roth or a regular IRA, whatever it is, most of you are in a withdrawal restricted account based upon your age. So we need to talk specifically about that if you're under the age of 59 and a half. And we also need to talk about whether you can actually afford to retire and add another 10 years onto your spending habit if you're retiring at 55 versus 65 do you have enough money to make it for that extra 10 years? Because you easily could be in retirement for 40 years at that point. Absolutely. So again, uh, you should call Dual Financial Strategies, whatever the generation, to get that retirement lifestyle review by calling 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486, because it's all about your retirement and anywhere you're listening to us in the Fox Valley, Dual Financial Strategies, with an overscore of a year's of experience can help you design a retirement plan that will be successful for you. Once again, it's 866-203-7486. And remember, the consultation is at no cost, no obligation. Come in, get to know them, and they'll get to know you. What's coming up in the next segment, Sam? When we come back, we'll highlight some money moves to make before the end of the year. The holidays will be here before you know it. Back on your retirement, I'm Chuck Caton sitting in uh, along with the uh, tremendously uh, talented people, uh, uh, talented in terms of constructing a retirement plan for you at Dual Financial Strategies. Sam Dual, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel in studio because it is all about your retirement. It's unique to you. And again, if you missed that phone number to make that no cost, no obligation appointment with them to discuss your retirement, it is 866-203-7486. Well, we're coming uh, close to 2023. It's less than a couple of months away, but the good news is there's still plenty of time to make some financial moves that can help you uh, in your retirement savings. It can reduce your tax bill if you're cognizant of that and get some help and even uh, benefit your community. So let's dig into that uh, with Sam, Andy, and Luke. And uh, again, we uh, talk about, uh, you discussed 401ks and IRAs before the break there, Sam. Uh, again, it's a good idea, isn't it, to contribute the maximum amount into those 401k retirement plans? Absolutely. Uh, you certainly want to be contributing at least up to the match because that's free money. I mean, I would I would always recommend that you do that. Uh, the one thing you want to think about when you're thinking about contributing the maximum amount into the retirement plan uh, is how old you are, which defines how much you can put in. So if you're under the age of 50 years old, you can put $20,500 into your company plan. If you are 50 and older, you can contribute an additional $6,000. So that would put you at $26,500. So think about the maximum amount that you can put in or the maximum amount that you could uh, afford to put in. And the secondary thing on that is taking a look at where you're at within your own personal tax bracket and where you might think you would be in a tax bracket in retirement. And rather than just taking a singular approach to this, maybe you want to think about where do you put some of this money in secondary accounts? Do you need to be contributing to a Roth IRA as well? Would you be allowed to do that within your company plan? So think this through, but 
contribute absolutely the maximum amount that you possibly can into your retirement savings plans. Okay, so for talking numbers and uh, people uh, who listen to us, uh, again, get caught up in all of this. But again, to review what Sam just said, your 401k, a 403b, and most 457 plans from 2022, where you were able to put in 20500 Next year, you'll be able to put 22500 yes. If you're over 50, right, you'll catch up. Uh, you can put 7500 more in, up from 6500 when I had to put extra money in over 50. That was uh, right. decades ago <laughs> for me. But uh, what about uh, an IRA contributions as well? They're up. As you said, Roth IRA contributions are up. Uh, and uh, health savings account contributions are all up. So uh, again, right. get uh, you know talk to them at uh, Dual Financial Strategies about all of that. And when we talk about the health savings account, Andy, uh, what about how do you make the most of that health savings account? Maybe you should explain that first of all to people who aren't aware of what it is. Well, high deductible. Um, insurance plan, if you have that at work, and most plans are today. I mean, insurance plans have literally changed substantially in the last hmm, roughly decade, um, where we are now seeing almost everything being high deductible plans. Um, it's like your your bills don't ever stop, basically. Um, but with that comes the ability to contribute to what's called an HSA plan, which is a health savings account. Now, these you can generally find at um, some of your local banking institutions, um, but essentially it gives you the ability, like a Roth IRA, to take money, throw it into this account. As long as when you pull it out, it is used for medical expenses, it can be used for pharmacy expenses, it can be used for anything quote unquote health or medical related. So that, um, you know, when we talk about the expenses later on, probably over your lifetime, somewhere around 250 to $300,000 are going to be spent um, in dollars and cents, just an ancillary healthcare costs. So um, this gives you the ability to, if you have extra discretionary income and can not only fund your health um, savings account with at this point in time, um, individuals can contribute thirty six fifty thirty six hundred fifty dollars for twenty twenty two, and those with a family can contribute seventy three hundred. Um, but people that are over fifty five can contribute an extra thousand dollars. So um, just tack on an extra thousand to the thirty six fifty or the seventy three hundred, um, and you will have your extra contribution. Now, be aware that once you reach age sixty five and you're eligible for Medicare, most people can no longer contribute to an HSA plan. Uh, so there's a limited window to take advantage of that plan. However, many experts refer to the tax benefits as a triple tax play. You save taxes by going in. There's no taxes during the time that which you have it and the interest that is potentially earned on that account and withdrawals if they're used for qualified medical expenses are tax free. So that part is all good. Um, the other thing that I would add to that would be, you know, one other place that you can consider putting money for retirement would be a potential alert plan, which is a life insurance retirement plan. Um, but you need to work with somebody who really knows and understands the the ins and outs of those so that it gets built correctly. Um, but that's another place that creates tax-free income like your Roth IRA, just doesn't have the governmental limitations on it. So All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that's absolutely uh, positive uh, to, to do. And again, uh, we have to reiterate that once you reach 65, you can't contribute to that anymore. 
But the contributions, as Andy said, uh, she outlined for 2022, they're up in 2023 from $3,850 if uh, it's yourself only. It's up to $7,750, $7,750 for family coverage in 2023. So that's beneficial. And so, Luke, is uh, funding your individual retirement account or Roth IRA? Yes, the rules are are changing there. So for this year, for 2022, if you're under the age of 50, you can put $6,000 into an IRA. If you're above 50, you can put $7,000 into an IRA. So they give you that additional $1,000 catch up. Um, For 2023, next year, they are increasing each of those by $500. So for under 50, you'll be able to put in 6,500. Above 50, you'll be able to put in 7,500. A key uh, thing to keep in mind here is that the limit, whether it's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, is the limits that I just talked about. So you can't put 7,500 into one and 7,500 into your Roth. The total going into any IRA has to stay under those limits. If you maybe are not fortunate enough or a spouse isn't fortunate enough to have a 401k or maybe is non-working at home with the kids or doing something else, there are some additional rules that will allow for a non-working spouse to um, make a contribution or the working spouse can make a contribution for them. If you have questions on that, we can discuss that in greater detail. All right, we're talking about saving on taxes, uh, putting some money away in savings for retirement with uh, the fine folks at Dual Financial Strategies. So, Sam, uh, I kind of like this one here because I'm going to have five grandchildren ready to go to college. Uh, and I'm not sure if my sons have contributed anything yet to their uh, kids' college education, but I know uh, they're going to come knocking on the door here, and I know my wife will be an advocate of us contributing. So contributing to a children's or grandchildren's 529 college savings plan is another good thing. If you yes, can do it, it right? Yeah. yeah, if you can do it, absolutely. Uh, right now there's, a, there's about a little over 30 states and the uh, District of Columbia that will allow for a tax deduction on 529 uh, plan contributions. And Wisconsin is one of those states. So for the 2022 tax year, the maximum deduction is $3,560 per year per beneficiary. That's for married or joint filers. So if grandma and grandpa, let's say, are putting money in for the grandkids, uh, $3,560 per year per beneficiary that you're putting it in for. That won't hardly touch a college education at this point. No, but I, uh, what I'm talking when about born. is the taxable consequences I know, of it. Not, I know. Not how much you can save, but is there a, is there a benefit to you beyond helping your grandkids or anybody save for college? And it's yes, there is. Uh, if you're mail or married filing separately, if you're the divorced parents of a beneficiary, so maybe mom and dad are divorced, well, then you could each put $1,780 in for 2022. Uh, so there is some benefit to doing that. Uh, I would direct you, if you have 529 questions or if you're interested in setting up 529 accounts for children, grandchildren, whatever the case might be, uh, I would go directly to the Wisconsin uh, 529 site. Uh, that web address is the numbers 529.wi dot gov 529 wisconsin.gov a great college savings program uh, rated as one of the top ones in the united states today Uh, all of the information that you would need there as far as uh, tax benefits are on there and if you want to set up an account for someone uh, 529 plan wisconsin.gov 
is a great place to start. All right. And finally, as we wrap it up quickly, what about reducing your taxes by donating stocks or other appreciated assets to a charitable organization? Now, I haven't heard of too many people who've done that, but I think maybe if you're on your uh, deathbed or something like that, you'd want to do that. Well, we've had actually multiple clients that have decided to for instance, take out a portion or their required minimum distribution. They um, chose to buy some sort of a life insurance plan, be it for um, long-term care, be it for a death benefit, whatever. They gift that to their kids because there is a predetermined um, beneficiary on that. And then they turn around and they will gift a portion of their 401k, which is all taxable later on, to a charity organization because that gives the charity their benefit. They don't pay taxes on it. You don't pay taxes on it. So we do have people that have done that and done it successfully for years. Um, It's a fantastic possible way to transfer assets to not only your kids if you're doing the combo that I was talking about but also to give you know something that you feel strongly and nearly and dearly about a added boost um, to a 501c3 organization. All right. So, Sam, uh, again, people have questions about all of these things because they like to save. They like to help out their kids or grandkids. So uh, what can you do for them? Well, when you come in, we'll just sit down and talk about that. That's all about retirement planning. What are your goals? What are your personal goals? What are your family goals? What are you trying to achieve? Do you need to be maximizing your contribution to your 401k? Or would it make more sense for you to be doing something else? So this is all about priorities. This is all about priorities, which are discerned by knowing what your future needs going to be and finding that out is what we do in a retirement lifestyle review. Give us a call. We'd love to get you scheduled. See you before the end of the year. And that number is 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. No cost, no obligation. Uh, come in and see Sam and your Luca Dual Financial Strategies and get that retirement lifestyle review. And part of that review is also to show you how you can save and uh, uh, beat the tax man at the same time uh, legally. All right? This is what it's all about. It's all about your retirement, and uh, it's uh, unique to you. 866-203-7486. All right, we've come to uh, one of your favorite uh, portions of the show next, right, Sam? Yeah, you know, we've got we to jump out for a quick break here, but when we come back, we're going to jump into some questions from you, the listeners. We'll be right back. back with our question and answer segment here on Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton with the full studio of Sam Duell, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel of Duell Financial Strategies. And it's time to uh, answer some questions here from our listeners over the uh, years. And uh, I guess you can't answer why the Green Bay Packers have had trouble, but that's another story. Uh, We will see what happens with uh, them in the near future. But you can't answer those uh, other questions, right, Sam? And you're all set to go, aren't you? You bet. Now, they told me, are you a Packer fan, actually? I'm actually sports neutral. I pay very little attention okay, to any of it. Well, that's why. Okay. Well, I know when you didn't react to that, that, that was the reason. Good. Yeah. Uh, last, <laughs> did they lose again? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, they have been. And of course, at this taping, it was four in a row. But anyway, uh, Patrick okay. is in Menasha. So uh, he uh, lost his job seven months ago, unfortunately, and uh, needs to take care of a 
a sick parent now. He's 58 years old and has to take money out of his retirement to do it. He says, I don't want another circumstance to arise where the only way I can receive my money is by paying a hefty fine. So, uh, for the record, my money is primarily in standard IRAs, a small amount in a Roth IRA. So, is there any way uh, to do this without serious penalties? And uh, where should I invest my retirement going forward? But he's 58, so... Yeah, um, you know, the, the, the challenge here, Patrick, is that you are under the age of when you can take money out of your IRAs without there being a federal and a state penalty. And that federal penalty, of course, is 10% for early withdrawal. And the penalty for the state of Wisconsin is three and a third. So you're automatically 13 and a third percent in the hole. Uh, and then, of course, you have to pay taxes on top of that. Uh, I would I would personally recommend at this point, are there other funding sources that you could use to help take care of your sick parents? I mean, even if it would be some sort of a, uh, uh, you know, some, some sort of short term uh, float on a on an equity loan or something like that. Uh, obviously, you don't want to get into a situation where you're paying exorbitant interest rates because then it doesn't make any sense. But are there options for you? Because literally no you've made a deal with the devil uh, you made the deal with the irs many many years ago when you started putting money into those 401ks and iras uh, and those rules are very very specific uh, there are some hardship uh, parameters for withdrawing money uh, i do not believe that they apply to sick parents that's something you could check with your tax preparer uh, but yeah beyond uh, beyond just biting the bullet on it uh, i'm afraid that your choices are are Fairly limited. Now, how far was he away from being able to do it? Was it about a year and a half or so? Year and a half, yeah. yeah. You need to be 59 and a half. The, the one caveat would be, Patrick, is if you still have, you lost your job uh, seven months ago, as I understand, if the money is still in your company 401k plan, if you did not roll that money over to your own individual IRA, that money is accessible to you after the age of 55. So that would be the one light at the end of the tunnel is if that money is still in your company 401k, there's a special tax provision that would allow you to remove that without penalty. But absent that, unfortunately, you're going to have penalties on the money when you take it out from both state and federal for early withdrawals. And then it's also going to be taxable at whatever your income tax bracket is yeah and it sounds like he's uh, he said the money is in standard iras so that yes yeah, so he's, he's probably it's unfortunately it's the way it is all right max is in omro now uh, andy and he said uh he wants to know when buying uh, during dips in the market uh, does it matter what types of funds to purchase uh, for example should i buy just stocks just bonds stocks and bonds or other types of funds i'm 61 years old i plan to work another six years till 67 and I have other resources in case the market drops uh, to help sustain those losses. Well, that's a fair question, um, Max. And I would definitely consider, you know, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And, um, you know, the hard part right now is with all of the market ups and downs, dips, sideways, you know, shenanigans that's going on, um, it is a little bit challenging to determine where you want to go and what you want to purchase. Um, from a standpoint of, you know, I'd want to look and see what you're 
overall portfolio looks like, where it's invested now, and and maybe if you're a little bit light in something, then you could invest in those areas as opposed to being more heavily weighted. If you're in large caps, you may not want to be in large caps completely. So that's where that diversification kind of comes in. Um, you know, the other question is diversifying into other asset classes might be of benefit to you as opposed to just sticking with the stocks or bonds. Uh, so I again, I don't know what the rest of your portfolio looks like and how to sort of balance it out and give you additional um, uh, additional tools, if you will, that would sit out there and offset what's going on if the market was to drop in a specific location. So that's something definitely to look at and consider. All right, you're looking at questions and answers here uh, with Dual Financial Strategies and your retirement, 866-203-7486. If you've got a question uh, for Sam, Andy, or Luke, and now we're going to go to a little shoot. Gene is there, Luke, with uh, this question for you. Uh, he says, what are my options if I'm locked into a variable annuity contract? Hi, Gene. Well, it's a little bit challenging if you say you're locked in because that implies to me that you are still under contract. So you've agreed to some period of time to keep the funds there. And if you were to take a distribution um, or a, a large sum of money out of that variable annuity or all of the funds, you would be slapped with what's called surrender charges. So a penalty for taking that money out early, just like we get from taking money early from an IRA prior to age 59 and a half. The benefit is, um, or, or some good news is, is as that contract, you, you extend out in that contract, the longer you go, the lower those penalties become. Um, as you get towards the end, it might only be a few percentage points um, in which you would have a few different options. Um, you can essentially keep the funds there, you can move it elsewhere, or you can spend it. Um, if, if your concern is the market and the market volatility within that, um, keeping it there might not be as advantageous, um, but moving it, it can slide from one tool like you have to another uh, without any tax implications, like moving an IRA to an IRA, but these funds don't even have to be in an IRA. So once this contract becomes up or once you become towards the end of that contract, there are some other options for um, if you're concerned about the market, protecting the principal, you know, maybe a fixed annuity, maybe a fixed indexed annuity, or if you're just looking for something altogether different, uh, that money can flow into another investment without too much in the way of, of ramifications if done properly. All right, Sam, the final question goes to you, and it's Georgie in Green Bay. And I don't know if Georgie is a, a male or female. I know a uh, equipment manager with a hockey team that's named Georgie. But I also remember Georgie Girl, the old song from the 60s. So uh, we'll go there. But Georgie's in Green Bay and says, uh, I'm retired and I have a portfolio uh, with 40% stocks, 60% bonds, uh, using uh, U.S. and international index funds. And due to market volatility, I'm considering investing in an indexed annuity uh, with 25 to 30% of these investment funds. So is an indexed annuity a good idea to include in my retirement portfolio? Georgie, if you're looking for some uh, stability, maybe if uh, maybe as a foundation for your retirement to have uh, protection of your principal and protection of your accrued interest, uh, a property structured fixed index annuity could be a wonderful choice for you. 
uh, we're, we're getting more and more questions on fixed indexed annuities. You know, it's kind of amazing to me that um, these don't get talked about more. They've literally been around for, oh gosh, I don't know, 35 years now, a long time. Yeah. Um, I've used them personally. Um, but the beauty of a good fixed indexed annuity is that the ones that are top tier um, that aren't loaded up with a bunch of riders, if you're just using them as a principal and accrued interest protection vehicle, uh, you don't have fees inside of them. So there's nothing like that. Uh, they can have generous fixed interest accounts to where if you wanted to, you could just uh, go into a fixed interest account. But the thing that's the most appealing to them is the ability to make money based upon the performance of underlying stock indexes. But the interesting part about them is that you take none of the underlying stock market risk. The insurance company takes on all of that. So in other words, you can make money when the markets go up. However, you will never be credited with a negative rate of return due to the markets going down. So when markets go up, it's kind of like a stair step. You will be credited with some level of interest depending upon what option you've chosen. But when markets go bad, like a 2022, you are not credited with any negative returns. There's some things you need to understand about indexed annuities. In most cases, you're going to have limited liquidity in those. You're going to be subject to being able to only remove 10% of whatever the value of your account is without a penalty from the insurance company. So you want to keep that in mind. That's why, Georgie, if you're using it in only 25 to 30% of your 401k, that's very, very smart. That way you've still got a significant amount of liquidity left. Um, and then the other thing to understand with indexed annuities is how they work. What is the mechanism that makes these things go? And basically, you're using stock market indexes. And depending upon the company, there are dozens of different choices that you could have, uh, some better than others, frankly. And the thing you need to understand is two different, two different terms. The first one would be called a cap. A cap is nothing more than a ceiling. That's a maximum amount of interest that you could be credited with per, uh, pursuant to the growth of the index. So let's say that you had an 8% cap on the S&P 500 index. And the index went up 6. Well, you'd get 6. If it went up 11, you'd only get eight because you've hit the ceiling. So the other way to do that is via what they call a participation rate. Participation rate is what it sounds like it is. You get to participate in some percentage of the growth of the index. So let's say that you had a participation rate of 90%. Well, that just means that whatever the index does above zero, you'd get 90% of it. If it would go up 5%, you'd get four and a half. If it would go up 10, you'd get nine and a half. If it would go up 20, you would get 18 and a half. So it's all dependent upon what it does. So participation rates and caps are two things to understand. But if you want to know more about fixed indexed annuities, um, we are very, very well versed in that topic. We do believe in the use of them for a good, well diversified and structured portfolio against decline. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Chuck, uh, for people that are naysayers on annuities or fixed annuities or fixed index annuities, uh, there hasn't been anybody that's called my office in the last 11 months now and said, boy, I hate it that we own that yeah. fixed indexed annuity that we didn't lose 30% in. So naysayers can be naysayers all they want to be. But if something works, it works. And if you're looking for principal protection with also the ability to make money when markets are going up, and what better time, folks? Markets are at lows right now. 
Talk about going in low so that you can get gains on it. This could be a beautiful time for you to be implementing something like a fixed index annuity and being independent and not beholden to any single company. We can show you all of the best choices. Absolutely. So this is why you need to uh, go to Dual Financial Strategies for uh, your strategy in retirement. And it's 866-203-7486. And remember, this is at no cost, no obligation. Uh, and uh, again, they have your best interest in mind, uh, whether you're going to visit the Green Bay office, the Appleton office, anywhere you're listening to us, it is all about your retirement. So uh, take them up on this. No cost, no obligation to sit down with them to get a retirement lifestyle review for you. It's 866-203-7486. Well, we've run out of time. Sam, your final thoughts. Well, great show today. I think it was good information. We just invite all of you to come in. It's time for end of the year planning. Make that appointment and keep listening. We'll be here again, same time, same place next week. Investment advisory services offered through Dual Financial Strategies, LLC, a Wisconsin registered investment advisor. Dual Financial Strategies does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisor representatives of Dual Financial Strategies may only conduct business with residents of the states and jurisdictions in which they are properly registered. Insurance and annuity products are sold through Dual Financial Strategies.